the thing that obviously hurts the most is when you don't have a credit into your bank account every single month and uh, you know i was with bamboo tribe full time for almost 3 years and that was hard it takes some time to get used to that to that lack of security the uncertainty behind it so that's difficult some of the most interesting conversations happen over a cup of coffee and there are many people doing really interesting and cool things with their lives you can't have coffee with all of them but you might just be able to interview some of them that's why i started this podcast to have conversations with people i find interesting i'm your host pawan and welcome to coffee by 2 a place where interesting conversations happen over a podcast My guest on this episode of Coffee by 2 is an IIM graduate who quit her full-time job to start Bamboo Tribe, a sustainable fashion brand that makes clothes using bamboo. But flying against the face of fast fashion came with its own set of challenges. In this episode, she speaks about her motivation, her journey and her learnings as an entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Madhavi. Hey, thanks for having me, Pawan. Looking forward to this. Thanks a lot, Madhavi, for being on the podcast i think the first question which i want to ask you so you're someone who worked in a corporate job and you then quit to start off something on your own what was your reason for doing that so i think through my entire career i actually always had a sort of wish to do something on my own but i had absolutely no idea what i just knew i wanted to do something and i think until you have an idea in your head or you actively search for that idea it just just stays as this very it's like this little egg that you keep sitting on for years which i think most people might relate to and one day i actually it wasn't one day it was over a period of time i started uh, like just reading up about things to do with bamboo it was more of an interest thing and i started uh, getting very interested that bamboo is used in so many ways that i didn't know and then i stumbled across the fact that you can make textile out of bamboo and that then made me think about what's available in the market today and can we make clothes out of it so it wasn't the final trigger wasn't even so much that okay now i've decided now i'm going to move on and do something and what should i do but rather the idea came and then i embraced it what's interesting in your story is you had a corporate job you quit the corporate job you started something on your own and now you're sort of back in a full time corporate job how was that shift been for you actually you go from job to entrepreneur and back to job Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so the shift from job to starting off, I think the beginning, of course, was fantastic. Right, the beginning is amazing because you suddenly find yourself being super efficient and hyper productive because you have all of these weird meetings and a lot of non-value adding things that you tend to end up doing, especially when you work in very hierarchical places. So when all of that gets cut off, you find that. at the end of the day you have done a lot more like you actually feel that oh today i got so much shit done that was great so that was a great feeling to feel like uh, it's a kind of uh, i'm on top of the world sort of feeling of being so productive i think i was in one of those entrepreneurs who said that you know you uh, work 80 hours a week and things like that because i found myself getting so efficient that i was getting a lot done uh, without really stretching myself in that way that transition initially was good the thing that obviously hurts the most is when you don't have a cre- 
credit into your bank account every single month. And, uh, you know, I was with Bamboo Tribe full time for almost three years. And that was hard. It takes some time to get used to that, to that lack of security, the uncertainty behind it. So that's difficult, you know. And then the transition back was basically, it could have been the exact opposite, you know, which is, you know, I'm happy with the credits that are coming into my account. But now, you know, I'm back to a lot of this nonsense. The good thing, though, is that the company that I joined after that, I haven't experienced that sense of, you know, hierarchy and non-value add and all of that. So in that way, I think it was a great place for me to transition back or it might have been much harder. Right. So two things stood out. First is when you said you started reading about, of all things, bamboo. Yeah. Which is a topic of conversation on its own. And the second is, I think the fact that it's really hard being an entrepreneur. Because I think most of us see stories of someone who's quit their full-time job. They start something. Either they get lots of funding or they sell. And it's all these super successful stories that we see. But we don't really see the struggles of, or we tend to overlook the struggles. So I think that is really eye-opening. And at what point did you realize, oh, I might need to sort of go back to a regular job, at least for some time? The thought did come much before I actually decided to do it. I think at least a full year before. I stuck at it for the first two years without really thinking about getting back into a job uh, because I knew I had I was ready for at least that much time. Right? What happened was the industry I got into was particularly hard. You know, getting into the garment industry is extremely hard because in India, it's highly disorganized. Uh, you have a lot of supplier problems, you know, not delivering, taking your money and just not calling you for, or not even responding to your calls right and it's it's hard like for me every every single penny in bamboo tribe was 100% my money and uh, you know you take a supplier takes a 5 lakh advance from you and then disappears for the next 3 months no taking your calls yeah it's very hard I mean you're ready to break down because uh, people who are in the garment industry are come with fairly deep pockets or they have been in the industry for a long time they have manufacturing roots in the industry and I don't so I'm having to contract my manufacturing out right and I don't have the kind of deep pockets to deal with those huge time lags, right? They take an order and it terms, say, 30 days. It comes in six months. Uh, that's six months of your money just gone. And in many cases, like I said, sometimes they just vanish. And you have to do a lot of weird things that you never thought you'd have to do to try to get money back. I've been in, you know, white collar corporate jobs all the way from my MBA, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not like from this business family or something where I know how to deal with this stuff. So that was definitely hard. And I had thought of uh, the fact that this probably may not work out the way I was hoping it would, or it's going to take much longer to do that. And that is not the kind of runway I had in mind. So I thought about it uh, quite a lot in 2019 or no, 2018 is when I started thinking about it but instead I kept myself going all through 2019 with a lot of I did a lot of freelance consulting based on my past experience largely e-commerce and consumer electronics kind of stuff right so I was doing that kind of consulting freelance which wasn't taking much time at all and it was okay it was it kept me going you know I had a big massive uh, outlay financial outlay that was completely unexpected in 2019 uh, when when if my dogs got seriously seriously ill and you know several lakhs went down that route which was not predicted in any way and now and then I realized that's it I'm out there's no way for me to continue and I had a discussion with my partner realized that now that all the setup had been kind of running for a while warehousing was fine logistics was going fine we had a fixed supplier now we had all our distribution channels they were all online and they were all set up and then we discussed and decided that yeah I should get into a job again 
when I thought about it, the environmental footprint of fashion is absolutely enormous. So, for example, it takes between 11,000 and 20,000 litres of water to produce enough cotton for a single pair of jeans. And then I started to look at the impact of fashion generally. Now, fashion is a full-spectrum industry, and with the exception of the food industry and perhaps the energy industry, it's hard to think of any other sector that owes quite as much to the planet as fashion does. Okay, so I'll just segue from your reply into more of what sustainable fashion is as opposed to fast fashion. I think that fast fashion has taken the world by storm ever since e-commerce became a part of our life. So we don't really think about buying three pairs of shoes, ten pairs of jeans, whatever it is. And it's only off late that we are hearing the term sustainable fashion. So can you just tell us briefly what is sustainable fashion? Because at least for someone like me, I have a very basic understanding. So for me, sustainable fashion is something which is made out of recycled material and it is something which in case I discard it, it's not going to be thrown in a dump somewhere. So that's my very basic understanding of sustainable fashion. I won't profess to be like great expert here. Uh, largely, I think it's on three fronts. One is, of course, the source of the materials, right? And is that source something that is damaging in some way? So is it, uh, you know, using too much water? Is it using harmful chemi- chemical pesticides? Is it eroding soil? Like various things, right? Or multiple things uh, to do with how that's being produced or where it's being sourced from. Um, the second would be the impact it has after it's made, right? Like you had spoken about just being discarded. So in that sense, it, it could be multiple things, right? Because um, one is when you wash your clothes itself, uh, you can be polluting because if your clothes are made out of plastic-based materials like polyester, you're constantly washing away a lot of those plastic fibers which you can't see and those are going out and eventually reaching water bodies that is one form of pollution that people are not even seeing which is happening on a daily basis it's not just when you throw away your t-shirt or whatever it's all the time and therefore even if i would say even if it's a cotton t-shirt or even if it's polyester for example it might be giving out all of these effluents but if you're not if, if it's at least stitched well and made well to last then at least you're not thinking about constantly churning your wardrobe right but fast fashion typically works with keeping the prices low and therefore you know a lot of compromises on quality are done the idea being that every quarter you will change it which means you're promoting the idea of discarding all of these come into that second piece on what do your clothes do then after they're produced right and then the third thing would be about like how they you know in terms of the labor like is it are there fair, fair labor practices being used in making it so i think all of these things would kind of contribute to slow fashion so right now, I think sustainable fashion or slow fashion is still some way from becoming a way of life. Let's put it that way. And I think one of the reasons which I've observed in a lot of products, they are costlier. So from a point of how much I'm paying, that's one of the first things that someone who is looking at price will consider. Why is sustainable fashion usually priced higher than your usual fast fashion? So basically, producing them costs more. For example, when I look at, think of uh, making a bamboo t-shirt, technically speaking, it should not co- cost more. And it's totally an economies of scale thing right now, right? It's so where it's actually just, you know, you normally think demand is high and therefore the product is more expensive. Whereas 
here we're talking about the demand being lower and therefore the product being more expensive. Uh, since the demand is lower, nobody is manufacturing in, in those quantities where there is scale. Right from the raw material itself, right from how the raw material is being grown to the way it's being processed to just making my products itself, right? So when I, for example, go and try to make a bamboo t-shirt, a bamboo tie, I'm working with contract manufacturers and at any time I'm, you know, making them in the thousands. That is nothing. It is just nothing in the garment industry. So I'm always this tiny little player for this, for any supplier. They are always dealing in just massive, massive orders. And therefore, things are cheap. Because if you think about it from uh, just a manufacturing standpoint, program managing a line in itself is an expense, right? For this small little factory to give me my thousand t-shirts, he still has to have people who are supervising it. All of these things are still happening with so few pieces that they're working out. So finally, the cost he gives me is so much higher than he would give to somebody who's ordering in bulk. Second, even the cost of the raw material when when I'm trying to source it is so much higher because our t-shirts are custom from all the way from getting the fiber. I don't have fabric just available for me to pick up. You make a cotton t-shirt, fabric is available in any which way you want it. Any blend, any thickness, color, prints, whatever. It's all available, right? But for me, they make it custom every single time. So my lead time is very long and my cost becomes much higher. So what you're saying is, on one hand, it takes a lot more effort to get a piece of sustainable fashion clothing out into the market, which also means one of your greatest challenges is in selling and telling your story as to why you need to actually you know, buy something which is sustainable. Is that your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge was actually supply. I think there is a challenge on the demand side as well, which is that, uh, and I think, you know, had we launched now, maybe my timing would have been better if I'd launched now and not burnt through everything I saved in the last three years. I think at the time I started, it was harder to explain to people the idea of sustainable clothing. Things have changed so fast that it's hard to remember that three years ago, we didn't see all of these sustainable living and sustainable product stuff on Instagram all the time. Today, it's a thing. You get onto Instagram and every second ad you see is about sustainable living. And it's it's become very common now. It wasn't actually then, okay. just three years ago. So in that sense, there was some amount of challenge on especially in the price. People just found the prices really high, but we still sold. My problem was always of uh, being out of stock, right? So I always had an out of stock issue because I couldn't stock supply well enough, but also not uniformly, right? I have long tail products that don't go out of stock, but I still have to have them to have variety. That's the curse of online and e-commerce. You need to have range. So I have long tail that just doesn't sell. And then I have the stuff, high demand stuff that is constantly going out of stock and not coming back soon enough. So I, yeah, biggest challenge was supply, but convincing people of the value of that additional cost is quite hard because people do want to say that they're wearing sustainable clothes, but they want to, you know, get it for 300 bucks. It's not going to happen. I spend more than that making it. Basically, like you have people saying, I want sustainable fashion at the price of fast fashion. So actually, it's interesting. There are different types of personas I have encountered in the last few years. And many of our customers, especially in the first two years, right? I had spoken to all, so many people who bought from us. Very often, I would just call them up myself and just have a chat with them about it. Or they would write in and I would straight away call back. And the kind of personas I saw were interesting. They'll actually write in saying that, you know, I went to your website and I, will, I thought that I'm going to switch to a more sustainable life. But you guys are so expensive that I can't buy it. Give me a discount, then I'll buy it. Most of those are actually just reply as me as you know I'm the founder here we're you know we're a two-man show it's just a homegrown business that we're trying to build so I you know I hope you encourage us and not right. ask us for those kind of discounts many times I'd have to just give in and give them a discount so that they just try it 
And sometimes my spiel would work and they would go ahead and try it and then drop me a note saying, you know, thank you. This was good. So that is one type of persona. The other type is the the sustainability purists. <laughs> so here's the thing. My product is not ideal at all. And I'm, I'm open about it with anybody who asks uh, because that is a much better way to, to make bamboo fabric. And I wanted to get that to that way where there is a different method of processing the bamboo, which makes the entire value chain much more sustainable than it is today. I was aware, well aware of that when I went down this route. But I know that to produce my fabric in that way at this moment is too expensive uh, and whoever is try- who's doing it is going to increase my raw material cost even more you know and I have to charge like 2000 rupees for a t-shirt, t-shirt. people are complaining about 900 right? uh, so I knew that at the same time I'm aware that the source the raw material itself bamboo is phenomenal I would love to encourage more cultivation of bamboo and to encourage more cultivation of bamboo you need to provide more downstream uses of it so that people like, will cultivate it and find ways to monetize it and I knew that the mid process of it is not I deal but I knew that it can become and therefore if people start buying into the idea of sustainability and buying bamboo clothes now over time maybe the demand grows enough for you to make the mid process even more sustainable what will happen is people will do some basic reading about bamboo and then there'll be a bunch of articles saying you know the hidden truth about bamboo fabric and it'll talk about this middle process and then they will write to me and I would say yes I don't deny it at all and if you're ha- if you're okay I can have a phone call with you and I would explain this point of view and I would tell them that you can't jump from here to the ideal state immediately it needs to get there somehow right uh, businesses need to see business value in making fabrics like bamboo people more people need to start buying it you need to mainstream the idea to the point where you're able to then make more sustainable processes cheaper but many people there would kind of be like I won't buy it unless it's you know handwoven or you know all of these things which I feel that uh, if you're not pragmatic enough you won't be able to do things on scale and sustainable stuff will stay a cottage industry okay so that's something which is really eye-opening the fact that you're saying it's not perfect yet we'll get there one day but we need to start somewhere i think it's really nice to hear someone say it's not perfect yet because that's something which we don't hear often it's always this is it i've cracked it it's not as if you are buying some some mona lisa something of which is perfect it's just work in progress someone were to ask i want to switch to sustainable fashion just give me a quick elevator pitch as to why i need to change there is one aspect of it, of course, which is about being better for the planet, right? That's the reason why there's a whole movement now to switch to many more sustainable choices. It goes beyond fashion. And I also make terrible choices day to day, though I think all the way from the time I started Bamboo Tribe, I started trying to think of how can I do better at it. But uh, yeah, I make terrible, non-sustainable choices on a daily basis. And so I think there is one aspect of it is become more aware of what you're doing on a daily basis that is harmful to the planet and trying to see where you can curve and I think clothes is a very very easy place to do it it's not that we're trying to sell very uncomfortable horrible looking clothes to you in the name of save the planet right we actually are number one selling point when we sell bamboo tribe is actually not sustainability we don't talk that much about sustainability as some other brands do we talk completely about comfort when I heard about bamboo fabric I ordered one from some other country it got I think UK and then I tried it on and I was just blown away because it is so light right it's so soft and so light and it works like it wicks away your sweat like a natural sort of dry fit and I was wondering you know we need 
seeing this in India, everybody sweats so much here. So comfort is what I sell when I'm telling them you, you should shift towards uh, fabrics like this. And the third one is basically that when you talk about slow fashion in general and what it means, right? It's not just about buying clothes with better fabrics. You, you don't just buy like hundreds and hundreds of clothes now with better fabrics. That's still a problem. It's about buying less. So buying lesser clothes, making them last longer, and therefore you're not disposing of much. That to me actually is a stress reliever, if you ask me. I think there's just way too much of this whole trying to keep up with the trends thing happening, this uh, looking good for the gram. There's so much of that, right? Just so much of trends. And uh, honestly, I think it's stressful sometimes to think about like, what is the trend right now? And what sh- how should my wardrobe keep up with it? I am much happier. I have 10 bamboo tribe t-shirts in my wardrobe. Almost every day I'm wearing one of them. I have it, I have them in so many different colors that I keep. I have some short sleeves, long sleeves, different lengths, whatever. And I just keep wearing them for everything. I have gone out partying in them by just wearing them in different way. I've gone for meetings in them. I wear them to do yoga, like whatever it is, right? I sleep in them. I'm very happy that I have this set of t-shirts. And there are many of our customers who said the same thing. And we've had a pattern. Where when somebody buys one product, within a week or so, we see an order for six or seven, which will be how many ever colors we have available at the time from that same person. So it's become a pattern. Try it for the first time at this price becomes hard. There's a t-shirt cost $9.99 on my site and some people really struggle to make that first purchase. But then people are dropping eight, nine thousand on the site in one purchase to buy like all the t-shirts in one shot. So the challenge is getting the first purchase. Yes, definitely. When it comes to you and me, the concept of, of fast fashion and these cheap prices make us believe that we're actually saving money, that it's good for our wallets. But actually all that's happening is that we're buying more. Since the early 1990s, average consumption has increased by 500%. And what's interesting about this is that while our closets may have gotten a little bit bigger since the early 90s, I don't think that they're physically five or six times the square footage that they once were. So there's been this whole thing about an entire like new generation, especially of millennials who are making, say, different choices. Do you see them embracing sustainable fashion and organic? I'm trying to think if there's like a specific uh, persona. Yes, definitely. I feel overall in general, people are uh, looking for brands that are doing things in sustainable uh, living. The other is people are more and more looking to buy from Indian brands now. When we were growing up, it was always privileged thing to buy foreign brands. Now it's become the cool thing to buy Indian brands. And Instagram has helped a lot there, right? Because you're able to make yourself look so classy and legit very easily on Instagram. Uh, You might be working out of your house and just have like like the way we were, where we just had boxes of t-shirts in my house. You still look really fancy to anybody from your website and Instagram. Uh, So definitely people are buying more from local brands and uh, sustainable stuff. I think in Bamboo Tribe, our customer base is more male than female. Is there any logic to that? So you know what I just said about having the set of six, seven basic tees and then you can wear anything with it. I think that has resonated very well with men. So a lot of guys are buying those basic tees and some of them just love the fact that, you know, there's nothing else on it. It's just a plain tee and they can just wear it with their jeans or whatever every day. With women, what I found is the idea of paying that much for what is 
finally a plain solid t-shirt i think they want more in terms of style right and what happens is if i try to create a lot of different styles it becomes very expensive for me because i have to create depth in every single style that i make it'll increase my inventory a lot because of which i chose to stay totally basic that i think has worked more with me that's another interesting point which you've made so before you started bamboo tribe you had some experience in e-commerce but i think that when you start off on your own you learn a lot more like what learnings did you take from your previous stints into bamboo tribe and what learning will you take from bamboo tribe now that you've sort of gone back to the corporate world there are two types right one are like very obvious blatant stuff right like i didn't have to spend much time thinking about how i'll you know, do fulfillment and how do i list on various platforms i knew people in every place right whether it was mintra jabong or flipkart amazon it was very easy to get my brand up everywhere very fast it was very easy to set up my Uh, you know warehousing and logistics once we moved it out of the house all of that was super easy so in terms of just knowing what to, to do that how to begin my digital marketing run my campaigns all stuff i've done before but then there's this also this other set of things that you can't really say but it's just how you've just grown over time right in terms of dealing with like how to deal with so many things in one shot how to you know keep an eye on bigger picture stuff deal with small nitty gritties that is the kind of stuff i got out of bamboo tribe today i think i'm in a position to deal with far more concurrent things happening than i was prior to bamboo tribe because i just had to do it uh, i had no i didn't have the money to hire people so i had to do everything on my own the first set of clothes that we made we tried a bunch of different things a few styles and all for women different types of things i designed all of them i'm not a designer at all right but i learned how to do do some basic sketching you know what are the different kind of measurements to take like how do you do all of that i couldn't pay someone to design a website for me so i learned how to use photoshop first of all learned some things around design created the first set of designs for the website then of course i learned wordpress and css and that kind of stuff all i mean so the first website i ever made was like i didn't do it alone i had my partner sirish who's actually a techie to also help out with it but it was so much that i had to learn there i had to learn just the whole procurement piece right spending like couple of weeks every month in tirupur in the factories that's a piece that i had to learn it's brand new for me so yeah every couple of weeks i was just getting into the car and driving to tirupur i would plan to go there for a day and not have clothes with me and i would come back 6 days later in the same set of clothes sometimes i'll just you know buy some of those <laughs> factory rejects <laughs> and start wearing them there so yeah it was it was an interesting time so i think when i came learning i took into bamboo tribe were all mostly on the stuff i had learned in e-commerce and what i took out of bamboo tribe was just i think it's grit and it's this ability to do like a whole lot of things at the same time and uh, to not get too phased when you don't know something because you i i know that i learn it very fast so for my listeners listening i think that what you just heard is what it actually takes to start and run a business sort of do almost everything by yourself so thanks for sharing that part of your journey which i think like even someone like me who constantly dreams of doing something on their own needs to hear the next question has actually sort of cropped up i think i've been asking my guests since march what has covid-19 taught you one as someone who runs a business and even otherwise i think the most immediate impact of covid-19 was definitely bad because uh, more than 2 months we were not we had to completely suspend our operations and not sell anything while we still had to pay certain fixed costs like to our warehouse at that time that was difficult for sure a uh, post 
I think sometime around in May when we were able to start delivering again, I think it just went back to how it was before. Maybe even maybe even people are buying more because we're an e-commerce business. I think we're kind of in the place we were before COVID, though those couple of months were really bad. I don't know if it's a changed my approach in any particular way. I mean, there are certain things that have happened. For example, we have had several requests for masks, right? Several people have asked us to manufacture bamboo masks for them in bulk, or why aren't you releasing your line of bamboo masks because it looks like every brand now has in some ways started selling masks and we have a lot of excess fabric from the cuttings right though the size of those pieces every time i wonder what do we do with it we have so much of it just lying i never disposed of it thinking we'll do something with it and you would think that a mask is the way to go i i didn't uh, somehow and my hesitation there was i felt like like if you're making a mask you sh- you should be a little clear about what it does and what it doesn't some people think that you wear any sort of mask and you're completely protected from everything which is not true i don't know i had some sort of an ethical dilemma about it you know i used to tell people unless i can design a mask and i know exactly what needs to go into it and have it tested and be able to say that you know this blocks out so many things including xyz whatever like if i'm able to say that if you cough while wearing this mask the virus definitely cannot get out of you like i don't know if i can say those things and i definitely don't have the time and wherewithal right now to do the research needed to do that so and that was why I didn't. It was an interesting dilemma. Many people think I've been very stupid about it, honestly. It's like interesting in terms of, on one hand, it makes like a logical business decision. You can actually sell masks. But on the other hand, you sort of decided not to do it. I think that this interview has been like eye-opening in more ways than one for me. I think first in terms of the challenges of starting and running a business and the challenge of, of convincing people to switch to something which is more sustainable. So thanks a lot for sharing your story and journey with Bamboo Tribe. I hope that one day you come back to it in some form and let's see where that goes. The last question that I ask my guests, the show is called Coffee by Two. So are you a tea or coffee person? <laughs> I'm a coffee person, no doubt. That's nice to hear. So, so thanks for being so candid and sharing your story with us. Happy to come. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks a lot, Madhu. You can check out the show notes at thecoffeebytopodcast.wordpress.com. You can leave your feedback for the show wherever you listen to the podcast. Thanks for stopping by for some coffee.